seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 157 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As always, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 157 episodes, still have the same dude that I get to annoy every week, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? <laughs> Is that the... You used to know me beforehand. Now we can actually generate content from it. Exactly. Exactly. Right, that's that's what you do. That's the whole goal, right? You you get to a point where you can make content with your friends and then you can just ignore each other publicly and get exactly. paid for it. Yeah, I mean, this this week, dude, is it's been a week already. And we're only on Wednesday recording this. Like I I whew. this is one of those weeks where we had to cut several things. Like there's a lot we want to talk about, and there's just no time. Yeah, and there's already going to be stories lined up for next week. Three hour podcast on y'all. That's not the plan. Yeah, for real, for real. Like there's there's still opportunity. So who knows? If y'all want longer episodes, let us know. Maybe maybe we do just need to go two hours every week and fill people's time. I don't know. But before we get into this week's episode, check out our friends over at CardSphere.com. They're a great place to buy and sell magic cards if you hadn't heard of them. And more importantly, they are a website where you can literally go and name your price for what you want to pay for something and for what you want to sell something for. So if you want to be above or below market, maybe you want something to sell at an easier transaction. Maybe you want to bulk sell some things. Maybe you want to pick and choose who you sell too. Like you can do all that on their site. It's actually really cool. So go check them out. They're big supporters of the show over at cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly and you want to throw a couple of bucks our way, check us out over at Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash color of magic and you can be a supporter and get a shout out just like Hubert Huang. Thank you for supporting since March 2021. So almost about a year and a half in there. So like, thank you. We love, love to see it. And then if you just want to get some trinkets, some tokens, some playmats with the show logos, our likeness on some things and rep us while you're out and about. Check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. And that brings us to our soapbox. Because, man, this is going to... I don't even know if we're going to get through everything. We may cut stuff live while we're recording. But here we go. All right. So we've kind of brought up... So this, this is almost like a two-parter. Because I've been seeing quite a lot lately... And I've only gotten it a little bit, but I've seen this pop up on some other people's YouTube comments and and on their streams and whatever, where people just seem to be wanting to make demands of creators. And what I mean by like, you know, just saying like, oh, you should make this type of video like, oh, you should add this to your stream. Oh, you know what I'd rather see instead of this. And then when you look and realize like these people aren't supporters. They 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 don't sub to their twitch stream you know it's just like if you are not supporting a cre- now don't get me wrong there are ways you can support things that i may not see i get that like you might be one of those people you retreat and share every single thing that person posts and you know what those people mean the world to creators so we appreciate that you do that if you are one of those people but i've seen it enough that some number of these people can't be those folks and if you are out here making demands and you're not even throwing this person like a dollar to support their Patreon or their YouTube memberships or whatever, 
then you kind of have to understand if they ignore you or don't care. Even more so, I hell, I saw somebody do this and the thing popped up on Twitch. It just said, first time chatter. So this is the first time you've ever even interacted with this person and you're making demands. It's like... Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so you just literally just strolled into the chat and we're like, hey, you should do this. And it's like, uh, why does your opinion matter? I mean, like you, and I'm not trying to be mean about it, but like, this person's obviously entertaining a group of regulars that they have cultivated. And somehow, magically, you're going to stroll in and just want them to change everything for you when you've not contributed or pitched in in any real way to this point. Like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I've seen it on my own stuff, and I can check my things. <laughs> like, I know 100% you ain't a supporter of my stuff. So it's just weird, man, that people want to have that type of what's the best word? gumption, you know, to just come forward and just be like, hey, you should do this for me. Like, I don't like the way you do this. You should change it because I said so. And it's man like, who has never talked to you before. It's just, it's just some of these things people do online. It's like, just would you do that in the real world? Would you would you walk up to somebody you've never met or interacted before? But hey, I hate that outfit. You know what you should wear? Sadly, some of them probably would. But I yeah, hope I was just about to say that. <laughs> but hope the majority of people would know not to do that. No, but I totally get what you're saying because I've had that thought of just like how random is it to just like show up somewhere? In some cases, like. I have seen people say stuff after I've only posted a thing where I know that thing is in the middle of the video. So it would take you at least 10 minutes to get to that. But you're posting in like three minutes because you're like, oh, you should change whatever. So I'm like, you literally just skipped around in a video, saw one thing, probably out of context, and you want me to change it. And it's like, come on, man. Like, have some common sense. Now, don't be right now. If you're one of those people that you, you've been down since day one with somebody, and you've been supporting their Patreon and you you got a Twitch sub going or whatever. Yeah, your opinion is going to have some more weight. And I'm not going to lie, like I, you pay more attention to those because those people are more invested in you and they're helping you keep the lights on and feed your kids and your pets and whatever. Plus, right? they've seen your content and would have a better idea as to what might fit and what might not fit. Also true. They have a better idea of what's going on in your world. Right. So, yeah, it's just a just a weird thing. But to tack on to that, another piece of behavior that's popped up again, and we've mentioned this before on the show, but like, don't ask creators personal questions in public spaces. Like, unless they've brought up a topic, there's zero reason to ask them about where they live, what job they have or have had, like, if they know a certain person or are related to certain, like, why would you ask any of these things in a public space? Like, that is nobody's business. It's really not. And, and I'm a pretty public person, right? I've said it before. You know, all my stuff's out there. I've dealt with issues publicly, whatever. So, like, I get it. But even for me, I'm like, if I'm more bothered that it's rarely ever the topic of conversation. So, like, you know, I had a video about the, the recent bannings or whatever. And then somebody comes on and just goes, oh, did you used to run this store and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why? Why are we posting that on this video? Like, I have an email attached that you can just send me a message. You can come find me on Twitter. You can come to my Discord. Like, what are we doing? So I just deleted it. Like, I like 
It just there's no reason to answer that in that space. Not that I'm worried about it, because like I've talked about the store history and everything, and like people know it. But for me, it was just more annoying to even have that there. And I also want to discourage the behavior. But I've seen streams from especially for women and non-binary folks that people will go like, oh, hey, I saw you shared a picture of so-and-so. Do you live in this town? Like, why would they tell that publicly when they already get harassed for a bunch of other stuff? That doesn't even make sense. Like, you, you're you showing zero awareness of the person you support or watch or whatever. Right? Like, don't ever ask that question. A bunch of people don't put that out there for safety reasons. There's already women that have stalkers and everything else online. Like, they, they don't need people to know what town they're in or what city. Hell, even I'm, like, sometimes I'm, like, people I don't know. I'm, like, yeah, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. I don't tell you exactly what city I'm in. Like... I don't think it matters. You could find it fairly easily, but like, I, it's just not a thing that needs to be out there all the time. So please stop doing it. It's bad behavior. And honestly, you might be endangering somebody's safety. So really think about that. It, a bunch of these creators have a bunch of ways you can send them private messages when you're on Twitch. If you follow them on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or Facebook, like you can send them a message. You don't have to post it out there publicly. It takes an additional like two seconds to go open a browser tab for whatever and then go send them a message. Seriously. All right. I think I got them all done, Brian. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll <laughs> leave this to you now. Now, there's obviously a fair amount of debate on exactly how big a story this is going to be and what, you know, they, this, uh, I guess the takes range from Cartoon Network is dying to everything's going to be just fine. What, what we know so far is that Warner Brothers Animation has laid off at least 80 people. So whatever the, the future for I mean, the future for Cartoon Network, yeah, it's important. But even more important is that almost 100 people that worked in animation last week don't currently have a job. So... So that that's the most important part and yeah it's just it, it, we've seen so many layoffs recently i mean so many websites so many studios warner brothers especially is having a, a series bloodbath they're not putting out movies they're shuttering studios all kinds of things are happening over there so hopefully hopefully they get all this stuff figured out and, and I, the, the economy is you know there's a lot of things going on right now but Hopefully they can get this figured out some kind of way and figure maybe get Warner Bros. Discovery into some something that isn't hemorrhaging money and canceling movies and shuttering studios. Fingers crossed. And think about how much Warner Brothers had been spending recently on movies and stuff and how many of them under-delivered. Or in the case of Batgirl, just isn't even going to come out. Won't even well, put yeah, it on yeah. There's, there's been, we've heard stories about multiple things, all right, that they started and then just never saw the light of day. And at that point, I assume you're already in a few $10 million, you know, on some of these projects. So it's not like they're cheap. And in so many of these cases, like Batgirl, that was going to be with, the, that was going to be a huge movie that featured a Latina Batgirl at that. And again, they won't even put it on streaming. They've finished the movie and won't put it out because they'd rather have the tax write-off to say they lost money on it. Because, of course, if you never put the money out, you can movie out. You can never do anything but lose money on it. That's the random part. Because don't they have a deal with either like HBO or Cinemax or something? 
Yeah, so, HBO Max is there, so I mean, yeah. they could dump it on streaming, even if they even if they thought it was a bad movie. And let's be perfectly honest, we've seen some of the DC Universe movies that they've put out. Oh, dude, I was going to say, they can just let it ride alongside that, whatever, that adult Teen Titans show they've got or whatever going on, the edgy Teen Titans. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, whatever that's supposed to be. Like, that's the thing that's over there. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you, though. Like, it sucks and to in see. in so many cases, it's happening to, to gay people, to people of Also color. true. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a real thing to call out there. And, and it's tough because when these studios get, or not just studios, just businesses, get bought by other businesses. One of the first things that happens is layoffs. And, and as much like it sucks, because as much as you want to make the, the buying business, the buyer, the bad guy, some of it kind of makes sense, right? Like if we already have a studio that does a certain thing, well, we don't need double the employees to do that thing now. Like we still need some of the employees, but we probably don't need all of them. Right. So you almost always know when you hear a buyout happening, there's going to be layoffs. So that and that ended up becoming like one less place these people can work. And and I think even beyond being a workplace, that's one less place for advancement. That's one less place for people to hone their skills. It's one less place for ideas to be funded, you know, because there's definitely things that I would say previously at something like Cartoon Network would get to see the light of day, some weird side projects and hell, like Aqua Ting, Hunger Force or whatever, right? Like that probably doesn't get made outside of like a niche part of a company. You know what I mean? Somebody probably went to fight for that and went like, no, I'm telling you it's quirky and it's weird. This is enough that like people will watch it and we'll merchandise it, you know, whatever. And then you get somebody to go to bat for you. But the bigger the company, like you have to fight more and more stuff and stuff like that may never even have been seen, which, and I'll admit, I heard the concept of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and I was like, "What? There's like a talking meat patty? Like, I don't like." And then I watched a couple Me episodes. The honey, see? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I watched a couple episodes, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, I get why people like." It wasn't something I would watch every week, but I'm like, at least I get it. Like, I can see why people would watch this, and it's kind of funny, you know. But yeah, quir- quirky stuff like that. It sucks that they're just not going to have a home now. But it'll be interesting to follow. We'll we'll see. If they and, end up, also so many people are saying still, oh, see, they got woke and they went broke. They did too many gay shows, and really, for every Steven Universe that they did, there are fifteen shows based on the Teen Titans. <laughs> so oh yeah, yeah, with that nonsense. But dude, even Steven Universe was pretty big. Yeah, huge. Yeah, because there was no cartoon like it on television. I honestly, I see people cosplaying those characters all the time. I see people using them in memes on yeah. socials. So yeah, that that show has a lot of presence. That show spoke to so many people, you know, with non-binary characters, gay characters. I guess so much that you never see on hey, most major television, most shows that aren't animated don't have that level of representation. That's true. That's very true. So, yeah. I'm sure you saw that uh, they're actually going to make Velma being a lesbian canon. That's a, that's a thing that's out now. In uh, you know what's I, weird? I saw that, and for some reason in my head, I already thought she was. I think that's that's something that people have kind of just been, 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 in the fandom. That's been a thing that people thought for a long time. And I and maybe they hinted at it a few times, or maybe because she made Gunn jokes about he, it. Like, and I guess just over time, 
even from a younger age, I just kind of assumed. Yeah. James Gunn said, I think when he made Scooby do the live action movie, he was really in his initial script. She was, and it just kept getting watered down and watered down and watered down because Warner brothers clearly didn't want that in there. So mm. just all the stuff he put in got taken out. And then in the sequel, she mysteriously had a boyfriend that had never been alluded to before. So, ah, there's just a lot of pushback there. And I think the same thing happened on Mystery Incorporated, where you could obviously see the writers were trying to go that way, but Warner Brothers is like, no, you know, this is a kid's show. We don't want to go there. You know what this reminded me of? That reporter that used to do like the New Year's stuff alongside like Kathy Griffin or whatever. Like when he oh, came Andrew out. Cooper? Yeah, when he came out as gay, I kind of just went like, didn't we know this? Like, and I felt like a jerk because I was like, oh, he had to like somewhere along the line. My brain just went like, oh, no, this guy's gay. And like, that was it. Like, I, like it's always that, hilarious to me how pe- some people just don't pick up on that. Because I was arguing with a friend of mine, you know, you know, just, just growing up. I swear that no, me and nobody in my family knew Elton John was gay. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> Again, that's that's one. And see, and that's where I feel bad because I feel like I'm judging, not like in a bad way, but like I'm just making an assumption that I shouldn't be making without, you know, somebody saying something. But Elton John was another one where I kind of just went, yeah, probably. Like, you know what I mean? And then that was it. Nothing Elton was trying to hide. If anything, the record company would try to dial him back, but usually, usually failed in those efforts. But yeah, dude, seriously, when the Anderson Cooper thing happened, I seriously remember going and like scouring for a couple of articles. I'm like, has he seriously not said this before? <laughs> like, because I was dead set on like, we knew this already. Like but you people, said, just, if you know, you know. I guess. Yeah. So crazy. But yeah. I, it's I, funny I, how people, you know, that, that welcomed Anderson Cooper into their homes for decades. Like, oh my God, I just can't watch him anymore now that I know he's gay. Really? Yeah, like the same dude. Like nothing's changed. Didn't make him less of a journalist. Didn't make him less entertaining, less eloquent. But but now you can't. Okay, just, just it's whatever. Yeah, people are weird. Well, I I really do hope this turns out positively, and largely because a lot of stuff that the nerd community likes was tied up in WB. Right. You know whether we're talking about you know like I said the Teen Titans or Steven Universe Batman. stuff. Tom yeah. And Jerry. So there is a lot of impact to the nerd community for sure. Well, we'll we see. talked about this with with all you know, just, just DC characters. How are they not getting this right? How yeah. do you have Superman, Batman, and Justice League, and continue hemorrhaging money? It just doesn't make sense. Something is going bad wrong over there, dude. I'm telling you, I, we talked about it before. It's that difference of you finally got it right when you did Wonder Woman. Yeah, universally loved movie. Second one came out, wasn't even close. No, and I'm just like, what? How? How did you do this? Especially when on the other side, Marvel's like, "Hey, here's this character you've never heard of. Look at this sweet ass fight scene." Like, right. and then we're like, "Yeah, that was cool." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you don't really have to work really hard to please us. Seriously, when they did Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a definition of a, a, a niche comic book that virtually no one reads, when they Dude. turned that into a huge movie, D list for real. I mean, like. There are people who read comics who don't even know what the Guardians of the Galaxy right. were until that movie came out. Like, I remember when friends were asking me, even my woman was like, hey, so what about this Guardians of the Galaxy thing? And I'm like, I don't know if people are going to like it. She's like, why? I'm like, there's like a talking tree and like some weird experimental raccoon. <laughs> and like, 
She's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, they're like in space on these like, like some type of like mercenary adventures. And like, she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is the show. But then when the movie came out, I was like, that was kind of dope. <laughs> like for real. And if Disney doesn't buy Marvel, it probably never gets made. That might be true too. Disney but- says, wait. You have a super team anchored by a tree and a raccoon, and you haven't made this into a movie. Get out of our way. <laughs> Just yeah, let exactly. Disney do Disney things. Right? We got this. Like, let's throw some money at it. It'll be fine. Oh, man. All right. Well, you know what it is. It's that time of the week. And we have a lot of things we learned this week, so we had to narrow it down to two. So, Brian, why don't you tell everybody what you learned this week? All right. Uh, just uh, kind of on a sad note, uh, saying goodbye to Angela Lansbury, starring the thing she's probably most famous for is the long-running TV show Murder She Wrote, which is pretty much like we're talking about this. This is pretty much the archetype for citizen, random citizen off the street solves all the mysteries that the police department can't solve. It's the diehard of that genre. Like, hey, you're trying to pitch a show. Like, what's this show like? It's Murder She Wrote only this way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, It at least for me, growing up, like, it kind of set the standard for even all the, like, nerd genre variants of that. Like, that's sort of what we based it on. Yeah, because you see now the success of, you know, it, it was only murders in the building, which because, hey, look at these crazy, I think they're actually podcasters that solve murder mysteries. Yeah. We, we got to get on that. We haven't it, solved any murder mysteries yet. That's Man, true. That's true. I haven't even come up on a, like a co- any, like I have a couple minor random mysteries, but no murders. <laughs> we'll no we'll murders. start slow. First, we'll like yeah. find find somebody's missing car keys or something. Work our way up to murder. Oh, they're always in the refrigerator or still in the lock in the door. I already yeah. know where to look. But I mean, if she had just <laughs> done murder, she wrote that would have been iconic. She was in, you know, at Emmy Award winner one, I think five five or six Tony Awards. Or did seventy year acting career. That's and not only that, she got straight disrespected posthumously by whoever the writer was. I didn't. I don't remember his name in the New York Times, like recanting her life as I, like the dude. Literally in the middle of it, had the nerve to talk about. By the way, Dame Angela Lansbury about. Oh well, I never really cared for her round face, and I don't think it really benefited her with the lighting and blah, blah, of like modern television sets or whatever. Right. And I'm like, what's this dude talking about? And then he was like, but what do you say? In spite of that, like she did have a career that spanned blah, blah, and, you know, was in this show, but she really didn't get recognized until this other thing she did or whatever. I'm like, what is this dude talking about? Decades. (laughs) And not only that, like if y'all don't know, for real, go look up Angela Lansbury when she got into Hollywood. She looks like Audrey Hepburn or whatever. Like, right? she was a knockout. Like, for real. So, like, I don't even know what this dude was talking about. Because, yeah, she broke in at the time. There's still a lot of problems with Hollywood. But breaking in when she broke in basically 80 years ago, yeah, you you didn't get all those movies if anybody didn't think you were gorgeous. It just didn't happen. And dude, really, how old was she when she started starting Murder She Wrote? She had to already be like 50, 60, right? 50, maybe? Easily. Yeah. So, like, good on her. Man. Thing, you know, that that didn't, still a lot of times doesn't happen for women. When you, when you, yeah. Once you pass 50 or 60, it gets harder and harder to find those acting roles, yet you'll have 
people to do like Sean Connery was still still kissing 20 and 30 year olds when he's 80 years old in his movies. The only two older women I can think of that have gotten what I would call like non just like simple drama roles have been like Helen Mirren, I think, because she was in those yeah. movies with uh, was it Red? Was that series yeah. of movies? Like she was in those. And then, uh, oh, the chick from uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, she gets Did to do a lot of stuff. We talked about how Daquan doesn't Dude, remember people. Real, you're, you're based on your roles. That's how it is in my brain. Celebrity, this celebrity names are tough. Said, the chick from Devil Wears Dude, Prada. Like, you mean the most famous actress on the planet? Dude, that lady. There's people that are going to roast me for knowing Helen Mirren from Red. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like I already know that. You did coming. remember her name. Yeah, <laughs> barely. You for that. Barely. Just, before they come for in the comments is just the quad is bad about remembering actors and actresses names. and dude and that's crazy because like right now i could dial the vice president of sales at one of the distributors right now couldn't tell you who the actor's name was in the last movie i saw like i don't know why that's just how my brain works i can remember people's names i see randomly at like conventions or i meet that you know want to talk about stuff or whatever Celebrity stuff, my brain has so little space for. And like, admittedly, uh, unless you're some kind of you know entertainment writer, that, that is a, a more useful skill <laughs> or a trivia oh, yeah. champion. You know, but for most people, that your skill is going to be more useful. Yep. So, my thing that was interesting, and this is more from like a creative creator perspective, that I decided because I have, as I started doing my content, a lot of my stuff was found cheaply or hand-me-downs or whatever effectively, right? Because I didn't know when I'm starting out what I'm actually going to need or, you know, am I going to make a full go with this or whatever? Is the plan going to work, right? So I don't want to go spend, like, I don't know, $2,000 getting a crazy setup for stuff I may not even actually use. And one of the things I will say, being up in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest specifically, like, there's a lot of money up here. So what happens is you find a lot of people that, or are constantly upgrading, I guess. You know, I've gotten cheap computers that way. And both of the cameras... Well, I just got another camera. I'll have to tell that story another time. Maybe I save that for a private episode, because that was a little bit of an adventure. But, you know, even those I got dirt cheap by comparison or whatever. And I kind of had a desk that was generic, but it, it got the job done. And I'm like, okay, now I know what, how I'm going to use my space, what's available. I need to get another desk. And... Especially in the post-COVID world, I'm at the desk a lot, so I sort of need an adjustable desk, a standing desk. And what I didn't think about was it comes with a lot of different setup challenges, right? Because like where I normally would have stuff mounted, say like my camera, because it's set at a certain angle, I can just sit down, turn on, and go. Well, if I adjust my desk and I'm standing, well, now my camera's not focused right. So it's like, oh, crap, now I have to figure out how to make this work or my lighting or whatever. So I guess my this is more of just like, hey, if you do decide to make a major change to your setup for anything, especially if you're doing like business Zoom calls all the time, whatever, it's not a one to one change. <laughs> like You do have to adjust other things because your whole setup's moving. You know, you don't really even though it's on a vertical move, it, it still makes a difference. And it's weird because that should be obvious, but it's one thing until you start putting stuff into practice and you're staring at it and going like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work, is it? You know, so I've had to spend the last few days working on that. So that was kind of interesting. 
but standing desk, lots of choices. I got mine at Ikea. It wasn't that expensive. And boy, is it nice to have. Though and I you did, were able to assemble a piece of Ikea. Furniture. Oh, dude, I've, I'm, I've assembled many things from Ikea. Let me tell you, I don't, I, me and Ikea are going to be good friends at the end of my life. That's all I know. <laughs> I've, I've done many things there. Though I did find out when talking to somebody about some of the challenges with standing desk in my setup, they make treadmill desks that apparently just have a built-in treadmill attached. So if you want to get your steps what? in or whatever while you're walking. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Me neither. Apparently. Multiple layered. What did we learn? Yeah, exactly. Like, so who knew? But all right. All that being said, let's get into some news because, boy, do we have some things to cover. And we're already about halfway through. So, man, Brian, you you know, we I, I'm almost feeling bad sometimes when we when we want to go in on Twitch. But, bruh, TwitchCon. Yeah, I mean, we, we 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 tried to help you, Twitch, but TwitchCon was a disaster, sounds like. You know, okay, so it, it ended up being one of the conventions that I opted not to go to. Because the, the more I looked at it, and especially with all the news that had come out about Twitch over the last couple months or whatever, I kind of thought, other than just meeting up with some of my streaming buddies or whatever, there I wasn't going to gain much from going. So, and I've got the Magic Thirty thing I'm going to be at in like three three weeks or whatever. So I'm like, let me just skip this. But I have never been happier that I skipped an event. Like, okay, first off, let's talk about their gift bags. Which, I if y'all could see me, I this is probably the hardest air quotes I've ever made when I said <laughs> gift bag, right? And y'all know what I'm talking about. You show up to the to like early registration or special also, and, swag bags. Yeah, and they and it usually has like, hey, here's a I don't know, like a keychain, uh, a pin that commemorates the event. You know, maybe here's some dice with some special logos, just some cool stuff, right? That you're getting because you did whatever the special thing was to register. This thing had like a discount ticket to one of the vendors, which is like okay, that's not bad. And then it had like a pen and I'm like, all right. But then the rest was just like advertising junk, like a cologne sample. Like, uh, I'm like, who put this together? It's like one okay thing, one thing that you're like, okay, kind of expected. And then some junk. And then a bunch of stuff, like there was one or two things, like a sticker and something else that apparently they didn't even have enough for all the people at register that. I did whatever this VIP registration was or whatever to get this. So I don't like that was already when I saw those pictures going around on Twitter, I'm like, yeah, this whole weekend's going to be a mess like that from right there. I was like, this is a harbinger that whoever planned this just didn't do a good job or there wasn't budget for it or something happened because this, this, this is sad. But then we find out, uh, at least it was known at least on Friday, I think. And then still as midday Saturday, I saw somebody comment about it, but there was a dude and I still don't know. I didn't deep dive enough. I don't know if this dude was a former streamer or whatever, but people knew him. So I'm assuming he was some kind of personality, but he was a known pedo who was at the show and apparently wasn't immediately booted at an event where there are definitely yeah. adolescents Thousands and teens there. Yeah. So it's like that that was a problem, right? There was 
weird issues with lines, you know, as far as like parents holding spots for the kids. But then when the kids try to get back in line, they were trying to make people go to the back of the line. And these are for like panels and stuff that people have waited like an hour to get into or to get autographs or whatever. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, did nobody prep anyone? Did nobody talk? Like, and it's not like this is their first event. No, this is what six or seven years in. Yeah. I'm like, why is this? Why are these problems? These are year one problems. Like, what's going on? And maybe they just, I don't know, maybe because I'm sure there was time off for COVID. Did they have this last year? Last year, let's see, 2021. I feel like the answer is yes, but not in 2020. But yeah, if it happened last year, and I can't even say that, you know, that they were rusty from doing not doing it because a couple of people have missed two years or, or more doing this. But yeah, I, I got nothing. Oh, and let's let's talk about the thing that we're lucky people didn't die on. They're, I guess we want to call it the Twitch fight pit. I don't know. Like, okay. For those who don't know what it what, what we're talking about, if, if you're older, you will have remember you remember American Gladiators? Oh yeah. You had your two pillars and people had these pugilist sticks where they with the basically like padded foam sticks that they could battle each other with. And then, you know, you fall, you fall into this foam pit. So they did a version of that, but the platforms were like three or four feet off the ground. So they they weren't crazy. And then you have again, this is the second hard air quotes. We're gonna say foam floor, foam layer. We'll call it a foam layer, because it wasn't a pit at all, which was a problem. Because Anybody who does anything like this, especially if you do any type of extreme sports or anything, right? Like any foam pit you get into is usually going to be three to four feet deep. And it's just going to be a bunch of like probably six inch foam cubes or whatever. Or worst case scenario, you could have done like a ball pit. You know, we, we know that's a thing you could do. <laughs> or as another solution, you could call the people that do all the bouncy houses and stuff, right? Because they have parts you could have bought and inflated and could have fought on that. Or you could have even contacted somebody that does the mechanical bull riding stuff because they have padded things that they do the bull things on, right? So you don't bust your butt whenever they throw you off because they're always going to throw you off. Or worse, you could have gone with the basic solution that we all used in junior high and high school, those damn one-inch, two-inch little hard-ass mats or whatever that help. But WWE still uses them and people don't die falling on concrete right. outside their ring, right? You could have done a double stack of those around your thing. So infinite solutions that were affordable. Their option that they chose was basically one layer of what appears to be hard to tell from the images, but maybe between six and eight inch foam cubes in a single layer over the convention floor, which if you've been to any major convention centers, those things are just hard ass concrete. And throughout the weekend, multiple people are like, damn, I got off this thing and like I busted my knee or twisted my ankle or crap my hips all jacked up or whatever and then some people were jumping off i guess assuming the foam was going to protect them and hurt themselves even worse to where one woman actually hurt her back in two places i said in her tweets that classified as had broken her back in two places and is actually having to have surgery like how is that even a thing and I think the the pit itself was like I Lenovo slash Intel's, but since it was at TwitchCon, I guess Twitch is picking up the bill for this. 
But how does somebody from Twitch not walk up? Like, again, you're running an event. Whoever's in charge yeah. of the convention floor, you check in with all your vendors. Somebody looks over and goes, uh, bruh, like, you're not protecting anybody from hitting the concrete. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you can look at the pictures and tell. It's not like it's hard to see what's underneath. I mean, like, you're standing on the floor and everything else is at your level. Like, that can't be a pit. You know what I mean? Like, there's... There's no logic involved. So it's like all parties involved, including Lenovo, are idiots. Like, how was that even considered that it was going to be a thing that could pop? And the thing is, some people online were saying, well, you shouldn't have jumped off on the thing. or something. Like, if you even accidentally miss a step on a stairs, set of yeah. stairs, right, that already can hurt your ankle. Whatever. And that's what, a two foot drop? At worst? And you're talking about some of these people are, you know, you're getting knocked off in some cases because you're battling each other, right? You're off balance. You're trying to stop yourself with your hands or your knees or whatever. It's going to hurt. So, yeah, like just the whole thing. But that that to me was like the cherry on top of just like somebody is falling down on the job around there in so many levels. And whoever was in charge of the convention or convention floor just neglect. And it's going to be a story for probably the next two three weeks. And it sucks because there probably were some good things that came out of TwitchCon and they're going to be completely covered up by these disasters all over the place. Yeah. Cause bad news. It's the way, the way the human mind works. Bad news drowns out everything. Yeah. And it sucks because Twitch did not need other bad news right now. No, they're, <laughs> they're perfectly capable of generating that on their own without a convention. Yeah. Another thing that came up from their event is uh, I want to say he, maybe he was the president of the company or something. He was one of the higher ups, but he was on a panel and people were asking about, you know, what are the expected numbers and different things? And he mentioned people trying to get to 25 concurrent viewers. And I didn't get the full context, but it sounded like I guess this was like the target number to get a significant a consistent amount of pay, I guess. You know, if you can get to 25 concurrent viewers and you're going to stream three or four times a week for a couple hours at a time, you can probably get to $100, $150 a month, whatever, without like pushing too hard. And he gave some interesting numbers. I believe he said in 2019, it was, it took people 45 streams average to get to 25 CCV. But in 2022, they were expecting it was going to take people 70 streams. And those numbers, you know, you kind of feel however you want about them or whatever. And it was more interesting to me to see people respond to it and how they thought there's no way that's possible. You know, and I'm like, well, I mean, I get it. There's, you know, there's probably some truth to like the bigger streamers or the people who took off the fastest or skewing those numbers or whatever. And that that's probably true. But to just assume it's not possible at all, I'm like, that that almost says more about you than than Twitch at that point. That, that's the era we're in where people refuse to believe <laughs> numbers, statistics, science. Just... Yeah. And, and the interesting thing to me was because now I have to be me, right? And I decided, okay, well, let me just check and see what some of these people are doing. And dude, some of these were some of the, what's the the most bland experiences you could have watching somebody stream. Like they already 
don't have personality. And this isn't me being insulted. This is just what I saw, right? They were boring, barely engaging with the audience that was there. Some of them obviously weren't getting more than a handful of viewers. They have no, like, there's no effort into their layout. You know, there's there's no fancy overlays. No, no, and and here's the thing: you can get free overlays in a bunch of places online. Like, you just do a couple of Google searches, and there's stuff to be had. Free, or if you want something else, it's at least super cheap. So they're not putting any effort in. They haven't even filled out anything on their their panels or about them. There's no streaming schedule up. They, you follow to their socials, and there's hardly anything posted about anything they're doing. You know, it's just like if you're just planning on the platform to just bring you all the bodies. Well, then yeah, that that's going to seem <laughs> yeah, that's going to seem unbelievable. Right. You're going to look at that and say, like, oh, there's no way it's these same people we help out with on YouTube or whatever. They're like, ah, well, YouTube never shares small channels and there's no way for anybody to make it or whatever. But then when you actually get through to them and start going, OK, here's all the stuff you're doing wrong. All of a sudden they're like, oh, this makes sense while I was failing. This wasn't a YouTube problem. This was a me problem. You know. So I don't know. It's interesting, though, that those were stats. I think it's still. There's a lot of reasons for that, you know, just fewer people engaging online as far as viewers, a bunch of people trying to make side income starting to stream. So the audience is a little more split. Like, so there, there's and a like lot we've of talked about, you know, people are with with uh, the pandemic being in a, a more controlled phase. People are able to go out. So you're not just competing against other Twitch streamers anymore. You're competing against, you know, Black Adam <laughs> and just whatever else people could be doing that, that day or that night. You know, and that's one thing I tried to tell people when when people try to compare Wizards to other digital card games and different things. I have to explain to people that Wizards doesn't look at themselves as competing with Hearthstone. They look at themselves as competing with entertainment. You know, there's there's a different level they're thinking at. And I'm not saying that's better or worse, but the mentality is different. Right. And I don't think people understand that when. We're, it's very easy to look at stuff and go like, oh, we have to compete with other streamers. And it's like, no, you also have to compete with there's a new movie release this Friday. You know, like there's a big concert tour coming to your town. There's this thing. There's that thing. Right. Like that's how you have to think about it. Like you are in entertainment. And I don't think these people understand that sometimes. It's like, you know, people, especially now, how a lot of people interact with with social content and streaming People have just put YouTube or Twitch on on their TV in the background. You know, they're they're trying to put the kid to sleep or whatever. They just pop something on their favorite YouTuber or whatever on the TV. So you are now becoming part of people's general routines and entertainment or whatever. Like, I'm not just competing against other YouTubers that make magic content. Like, I have to be interesting enough that you just click on my stuff at all on YouTube. Because you can watch Mr. Beast. You can watch MKBHD if you're thinking about buying these new phones because it's that time of year, right? You're probably going to be watching phone reviews or something. Right? Or somebody's <laughs> cat over there driving a motorcycle or something. Yeah, exactly. Years. Right? So I think when people start thinking, like it changes their mentality. So it's it did honestly, though, make me a little sad for a lot of the people, you know, from an empathic level of just understanding that these people don't under even know why they're failing and it's easier to just blame it on something else than try to figure out their shortcomings. And that and that's really tough because some of the people do genuinely sound like they've been grinding and they really want it or whatever, but they've just been doing the wrong thing the whole time. You know, and God bless them, because I've said it before. I don't know how people stream for like three years and never get more than five viewers. 
Like you have to have some serious level of resolve. I would have blown up the whole operation and started over. I would have maybe just quit streaming. Like, I don't know, but I, there's no way I could have done that. It's for, in some cases, three, four times a week for years and just not, not grow at all. Like that, that seems phenomenal to me that people would do it, but they do. I mean, we hear those stories, but anyway, mentioning magic there, they actually had some pretty interesting news that we should touch on. So for the first time in a while, we actually had a card banned in standard with the meat hook massacre. And we also had a card get banned in modern which is Yorian the Sky Noodle or something. I don't remember what we call it, but it's one of the companions. <laughs> it's Meryl Streep. Exactly. There you go. It's everything that. to call. I can't remember. I start calling it Meryl Streep. We should. That would be a fun game. Maybe I start doing that on my videos and just like have people figure out, why is he calling this random card Meryl Streep? But the interesting thing here is I think for the most part, people were okay with the Meat Hook Massacre ban. I, I, the issue, I think, was more people just having a card banned in standard, right? I think that just feels bad to people. So it was kind of cool to be going for a while without anything on the ban list or whatever. And yeah, now because for a minute, it was just, it seemed like an almost monthly basis, something was getting the ban hammer. True. Yeah, the, the the COVID year was not a good time for, for Magic as far as bans go. But beyond that, I don't think people were too upset about it. I think there was a lot of people who went, yeah, I get it. You know, even though if I play the card, I like the card, whatever, I at least understand. Right. We're all accepting that currently black is too dominant in the format. This is one of the cards that negates some strategies that could compete with it. So, sure. Why not? It, it's and not only that, it it has recurring effects even after it wipes the board and whatever. And we've I, even when it came out, I told people the card was nuts. It's a super strong card. They know what's coming out in the next set. We don't. So, I mean, you know, we still got to wait another, I don't know what it is, another six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, before we see it. But we'll, we'll see how it lines up. The more interesting thing, though, was seeing people upset with the Yorian ban. Not even so much because of the card's dominance or anything like that. I think it was mostly because Wizard. one of the things Wizards made a point to call out was effectively the play pattern that the deck presents that it has so many fetch lands and decision points with like scrying and other stuff that it creates just a bad play experience. If you're sitting across the table from it, your opponent sometimes is taking three minutes in a turn or whatever. You have a lot of rounds that are going to draws or maybe you get one game done. Mirror matches are abysmal. You know, just not all around quality for what you want. Yeah, one, you know, I, to, to for it to be unfun to play against is one thing. For it to be unfun and make everything go slower is just is too much. Yeah, and, you know, people are like, ah, oh, it's not that big a percentage of the format or whatever, but it showed up a lot. I mean, it really did. I, I saw a lot of lists, because I'm not playing a lot of Modern, but I at least try to keep up with it in case I decide to go out to an RCQ or something. And it was showing up plenty. I mean, we saw them in several top eights or whatever, so there's there's decent representation Plus, we know like not every event shows up in results online or whatever. So there's a lot I of the majority don't, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, we talk about that in the commander community a lot where people want to use these different sites to be the reference point of how popular a card or commander is or whatever. And I always have to remind people, usually 
what's represented online from those are going to be the, at least for in the case of Commander, are going to be the more highly invested, somewhat competitive players or whatever that care about that data or having their stuff out there or whatever. Or in my case, you know, I have two that I ever posted and they're strictly for content purposes. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times it's going to be the winner. Second place through there, you know, so somebody that finished fourth might've had an incredible deck, but they didn't win. They may not post it and nobody else probably posted it. Cause maybe they don't go that far down the results. Cause again, who people are generally looking for the winner. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different elements that affect that, you know. And, and like we said before, a lot of the casual people, they're not going to go post. I mean, I know full groups of people that don't post anything online. Hell, I didn't for whatever that is, eight years of the format or something, you know, like, so it's just one of those things. You know, I don't, I don't really put too much investment in that, but I get it because those are the only numbers some people can see. But even if, let's say that was the case, I think it's still okay. Right. If you have a card or a deck that makes it to where the experience of even participating in organized play is miserable, that is a reasonable enough metric for me to see something done to a deck or a card. Because you just, like you're saying, like it makes everything run slower. It just makes your rounds run longer. You know, that's more stress. And now you have judges having to watch over more games. Like, Fewer players are taking breaks because everything's going to time. Like it's just not what you want to be in, right? It's just it doesn't matter, you know, if it's only like five or six percent of the format. If it's still at every tournament because nobody can start, you know, until the round is finished. So yep. if it's slowing down every tournament, even if it's only two or three people playing it, it's still a problem. Yeah, and I've watched one of them play even in extra turns. It's like okay, well, they're still only maybe only going to get three turns here. They're going to use, but those turns are still taking forever. You know, and some of it's not even purposeful. It's like they're thinking through their decisions. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to play this. Now I'm going to scry. And now I got to decide if I need this card or not because I get to draw a card. And then, okay, I need to crack this fetch land so I can see what the other cards are on top of my library because I didn't like those choices or, you know, whatever. There, there's just a bunch of different things going on sometimes. So so I get it. But in general. Even if, you've, even if you've lost, you know, it's still just human nature to try to. So if anyway, when you can search for a million things in your deck. You're yeah. still trying to maybe there's something I didn't think of. Maybe there's some combo I can draw. You just you're gonna fight, you know, until the deck has nothing left. True, true. So it's a it's a tough one, but I don't hate either of these bands. I think it's fine. Amusingly, getting rid of Yorian means you bring down the average cost of decks in the format. I think like a hundred dollars, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, like bonus. Well, because you now have decks that used to need eighty cards don't need eighty cards anymore, right? So. There you go. And a bunch of those were, you know, a big chunk of those 80 or extra 20 were lands, you know, and some of those lands are rare ones. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I, I, I don't think anybody likes bands in general, but I, I just think at some point they are necessary. You know, I even had somebody comment like, well, I didn't know we were now playtesters for wizards or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's not that simple. You know, I think we talked about it. I mentioned it on last week's show that sometimes and, you know, I went through this testing stuff for raw deal or whatever. Like there's times certain things come up in testing, which affect your results, right? Certain things become the dominant decks and you're solving for that problem. And then the next thing and you're solving for that problem. And then you get it out to the general public and it's like, oh, this eighth thing or ninth thing is the new problem. 
and it just never came up before, so you didn't get really get to test for it. And no matter how many people you have, you can have a testing team of 100. They're not going to find every iteration of everything that a million people are going to find. It's the whole, you know, infinite monkeys, infinite typewriters kind of thing, right? It's just some stuff is just going to hit somewhere along the line. So, yeah, I don't know. It It's fine, though. Everybody's kind of looking forward to it. If anything, the biggest gripe these days is why does Arena have to wait till Thursdays when you announce a ban on Monday, but Magic Online gets bans enacted later that day? It just doesn't make sense. Like, I get that Arena's on a schedule and everything happens on a Thursday or whatever, but at most, it should be like a 24-hour period. You talk with the team and say, hey, this week we're going to launch the update early, but y'all get an extra three days to work on next week's update or whatever. And that seems totally reasonable because you're not, hopefully, not having to ban cards a lot where you have to make a lot of changes on Arena like that anyway. So that's the only major change I'd like to see. But let's talk about another interesting thing that we hadn't seen happen before. And that's the fact that we saw VML, the Venus and Mercury League. For those of you who don't know, that's the group that organizes events for non-male participants, I guess, if you want to call it like for women and underrepresented other groups. And they hadn't, their new season was being promoted on Arena, which I thought was very cool. And one of their slides they have that's on their main page, it was just right there. Front center, you click it, gives you a link to the site or whatever, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, we don't normally get to see individual groups like that that get promoted. And I'm sure there was some work that went on behind the scenes to talk to people and get stuff approved or whatever to make it happen. But it's just cool to see that that's a thing now, right? And it kind of opens up the doors for other groups or efforts or special events to possibly get some promotion, which I think is pretty neat because it's right there, you know, nice flashy piece of art front and center right in front of you. And it's hard to miss. And I don't like, I don't know. I, I, I can't really say it's like a watershed moment, but it does feel like an important shift. You know what Definitely. I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of into it now. The bad part to this is, I'm sadly aware enough to know as soon as I saw it, I'm like, okay, well, the knuckleheads won't be far behind. <laughs> right? Like, and sure enough, it took about 24 hours or so. And then I started getting the comments on my YouTube stuff about, well, I don't know how you can be okay supporting a game where they're anti male and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Yeah, because there's no dudes left playing Magic. They all went away. They just Yeah, I'm like... The, the, the primary player base is women now. That's a, Okay, sure. Hell, do they not know that there's still dudes in a lot of the prominent positions at Wizards of the Coast? Yeah, but, I'm but like, they, they're anti-male. If, if they're anti-male, they're not good at it. Yeah, I'm like, how is this even a thing? And then another one I got was like, oh, well, can you do a video talking about how Wizards is anti male especially blackmail and they're spending all this effort just promoting non-male stuff because whatever and i'm like what like now don't get me wrong we have talked about the racist issues before yeah so that's not new right we've covered it here i've covered it on the youtube channel i've talked about it on streams so i don't think i need to do a special video on it but to be that they are anti-male and especially anti-blackmail not to mention having Teferi's face all over God's green earth, but you know, like that's not a thing. Like the fact that they sell us Christmas cards, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
And and to be fair, and we've talked about it before, to be fair to Wizards, they've they've hired somebody to be head of diversity and have new programs, right? They've they even did stuff like the Black is Magic secret layer and donated the money and all that. So like, you know, like, and every time they do that, they get all the knuckleheads in the comment. Yeah. Why are, I don't I don't know why we need black characters in the game. It's not exactly. Important. So you can't say that they are just like anti blacks or anti males or whatever. Like it's if anything, more the community still is because when they make those efforts, they get met with all types of hate or whatever hell i was talking about how i just thought the cards in the secret layer were sweet and you should probably buy them and i had people going well you're only talking about this because it's the black is magic but i'm like uh no i'm buying a lot of sets because the cards are good and they're gonna be worth money and truthfully they were worth damn near double before they even got into my hands so you know goodbye if you listen to me and even if you were, why would it be bad for a black creator to point out that, hey, Wizards is making some cool cards that happen to have black people on them? Agreed. Right? Why? It, it, it wouldn't have been that weird. But this sort of came off to me, like, I remember years ago with poker. Because I, I, was, I was, I don't say I was a even a semi-professional poker player, but I was I was making a decent little bit of side income at one point playing poker. And I remember the World Series of Poker, which happens every summer, usually from like June to August or whatever. And there's a series of events that happen at, at, in Vegas. And there's a lot. I it, it, I don't even know what they're up to. 60 events or something on the weekend or on the on the series. And they usually have one or two that are women's only events. And when they started doing those, there were dudes that were livid. Like, how is how is there an event that only women can play and I can't compete for a bracelet? And that's cash. I could be winning. And, and it's like, dude, have you not looked around the room? Like, even in poker, it's at least last I saw, it was over 90% dudes. So to have and the people that are doing the complaining are never the ones who would be winning anyway. Well, that's largely part of it. But really, look around and just say, like, if there's one or two events just for those people to encourage them to come out more often, to participate, to be active members of your community, that's building goodwill. That's getting them to bring their friends. That's adding more money to the prize pools. It's making your venues richer. Like there are a lot of benefits from having more people invited into your social circles. So why do you want to deny that? You know, I, I we talked about this off the air, but there was there was an event. I got Wizards to, it was a Gamma trade show one year. And I, this is when I was still at Wizards, I was going to talk to retailers. And one of the things I got permission on to share was just stats about demographics. And one of the big ones I wanted to point out to people was that at the time, if I remember right, women, and, and I would say non-male, but I think at the time the surveys were done, it was people that identified as women. So I'm going to use women for this example. But women made up, 22 or 23 percent of the buyers of magic the gathering but when we looked at organized play numbers they only made up two percent of that population so the fact that there's a nearly 20 percent gap you know in participation in organized play says that some of these events are needed to let these people get comfortable, build up their confidence, maybe find a group of people that they can travel to events to together or whatever. 
So they want to start participating in more of those events, which again, contributes to bigger prize pools, helps your stores make more money, you know, makes the events bigger, more exciting, like all this stuff, right? There's a bunch of benefits to having them participate. So why would I be mad at an event that supports these underrepresented groups coming out and participating? Especially again, when you look around and it's all dudes. Like, how can you genuinely look around and be like, I don't get it. Like, wow, how is this just like them having one thing for women or whatever that I can't participate in is so stupid, blah, blah. Like, really? It's hell, the VML does what, four seasons a year or something? <laughs> like, that's it. Like, so there's four things on a calendar you can't play in, and you're it's just the worst thing ever for you. Not the war on guys right there. Yeah, like check your egos, man. Like, really? And let's be real. It's not like these are the same dudes that are signing up for every other tournament or thing that's out there. They're wanting to call it out because they happen to not be able to play in this one. There are literally infinite events. You can go log into MTG Melee right now and probably play an event within the hour. Right? There's stuff going on the whole time. You look around locally. There's tons of stuff you can do on the weekend. Hell, in some places you can go to something on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if you wanted to. But I bet you these dudes aren't even doing that. But because they're the thing that they can't play in, that's the one they're going to call out. Like, come on, man. Seriously. I, I can't. So, yeah, I'm happy for the VML. I really am. And can I participate in it? No. Am I going to be doing commentary for them? No. Like, I'm in no way invested in them other than, hey, great that you're helping build the community. And that's good enough. Like, literally not every single thing has to be for me. But you know what? If it helps build up a part of the community that's underrepresented or we could use more of or get it accessible to more people, I'm for it. Seriously, I you're not going to get me like and, and the weird thing. And this is again, this kind of comes back to what I started out talking about. The people like you should do a video on, you know, those people like you obviously have not watched my content. If that's the request you're going to come make of me, you know what I mean? Like, you saw a dude that you happen to like some of his content. You're like, ah, this guy, he'll probably make a video. Oh, this guy's a black guy. He'll he'll have my view. Like, uh, nah, sorry. Like, I'm just shutting that down cold. Like, there are issues, and there are things we can talk about, but it's not because and the VML do. exists. <laughs> like, that's not the problem. Let's be real. Like, focus your energy. Let's not be chicken littles out here. And while we're on Magic, a little quick thing to touch on. If you didn't see the news, Magic Online will be moving their servers away from Wizards of the Coast servers over to Daybreak servers, which I tried to look up Daybreak. I think they're a company that houses like gaming servers and other things. So they specialize in that. So you should be seeing that. I believe it's sometime in October, later this month. They're going to be making the transition. They're also going to be offering some free events for, I think, the first 24 hours to kind of celebrate the move. But everything you have on Magic Online should translate fine. The only thing they said is some of the trading and stuff will be offline for the first couple of days till they get everything lined up and working properly. But you should be good to go after that. So just a thing in case you hop on and you're like, how come I can't log in? It's just like you just go to the new. They have a link. You go to the new thing. You'll download the game again. That's goes to their new servers and everything else should operate fine. So there you go. Just in case people didn't see that. But that brings us to our dinner table conversation. 
And, you know, this kind of, in some ways, tacks onto the whole VML thing. Because we, we've, we've talked about it before a little bit. And I feel like as I see the conversation come up or people reach out to me, this is something we should probably address a couple of times a year, you know, just as a refresher. Because sometimes the market changes or whatever, too. But, and I guess to be more specific, like if we're, what things should a store, a game store be doing to be more welcoming and more diverse to a larger population base? You know, because one of the, one of the obvious things for me, and this maybe this is on my mind, just top of mind, because we just mentioned the VML stuff. Sadly, is one cleanliness because man, like hell, specifically restrooms and having some feminine products available. I think when and I've seen multiple women mention this, you know, when they go into a restroom and it doesn't have to be anything fancy, right? It could be just a little, little small, maybe wicker basket or something that's got. 10 or 12 tampons in it, right? Just something to say like, hey, we know you might be having an emergency. Here's a thing, right? So you know if you show up, you hang out, you're in a tournament, whatever, something comes up, you ain't got to rush off, we got you, right? Just a little touch. That's all it is, just something simple. But it says, hey, we might be dudes, but we're not Neanderthals. Like we know women have other issues. And nobody has to talk about it. Nobody has to say anything. You just make sure it's stocked and supplied. You're good to go, right? Something even that simple goes a long way. But I don't think a lot of people consider that. And you can almost tell the people who either have women in their lives or happen to be women themselves, when you go into their stores or whatever, you're like, yeah, they get it, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, they've been there. What what are what's what's something you would recommend, Brian? I, mean, I think just the artwork you have out front. Like, for example, mm. Batman doesn't need any more help selling comic books. Batman's comic books are going to sell. If you got a choice between putting, you know, Batman or, you know, Teferi in your front door, hey, maybe Teferi. <laughs> That's a good point. I I don't know if I would have mentioned that. that is a good one, though. And honestly, this is going to sound bad. But especially if you're in an area that's known to be a little racist, like you kind of put up a thing that says, hey, we're not racist without saying we're not racist. You know what I mean? Like, and you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's some of those towns and parts of towns that you're like, I don't know if I need to be there. But like, I, I would I could imagine if I saw like a Teferi or I don't know what's his name from Teen Titan Cyborg or whatever, like. I might be like, oh, okay, this place might be all right. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's sad to say that, but like, you would. I, well, I, I mean, it's just for for people that had had the experience of being, you know, the only black person or the only woman in a building. It's you know, it it, it can easily make you uncomfortable. Yeah, it's true. I mean, until you said it, I was like, yeah, that's something I would probably like. And it's weird now that I'm thinking about it. I don't even know if I would consciously be looking for it. But if I saw it, I'd be like, oh, OK, this is probably an all right spot. You know, and dude, side note, there's a place right now not far from me 
that's in a shopping center. It's like one of those shopping centers that's like uh, where the stores are almost like back to back. You like walk around it or whatever. On the opposite side of the shopping center from this game store is a for real like racist bar. Yeah. And like, I don't want to put it about but me and one of my friends went. Not knowing. Like, we're just like, okay, we'll stop in. We'll grab some food. You know, whatever. You wouldn't assume in 2022 yeah. that they just openly. Yeah, didn't think nothing of it. But, like, you know, getting a little bit of dirty looks from one or two people. But for the most part, the staff was cool. So, you you don't really think much, right? And then I went to the bathroom. And there's just some, like, racist-ass stuff just, like, scrawled under the stall and on the wall. And I'm like, this doesn't look like it's new. So, they know this is here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then I kind of came out and realized a couple people were watching me and I'm looking at my boy going like, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> so need to say, I haven't been back to that store in a while. So, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, it makes a difference. Like there's some of those there. Now, admittedly, I know that that store is fine. I know that the ownership's fine. So like, if I really needed something, I would go buy and it probably wouldn't be a problem. But, I have other choices I can go to. Wait, as I said, you know the owner. Somebody that doesn't know the owner is going to be yeah, exactly going back there. So you need to do those things that let people know that hey, no, we are a safe place. I mean, it's, I hate using that term, but it is right that this is a spot we're not judging you for something you can't control or whatever. Right? That the simple things like that. And, These and are the decisions you know that that people of color got to make every day. Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Another thing I I like too is which which is a bit more difficult, but hiring people from those other groups, you know, and it's a little tough, especially because we've talked before. Like there's some areas where there's just not that many black folks, and especially black folks that happen to be gamers or a particular type of gamer that you need. Right? You might be a store that specializes in Warhammer or D and D or whatever it is, right? And if you just don't have that audience, it's hard to find those people. So. To that end, what I would recommend is get involved with different local groups. I mean, I was involved with with different schools around the area. So especially as, you know, maybe there's a 16, 17, 18-year-old that needs a job, right? You can hire them and let them work up into something or whatever. You know, the colleges, there's quite a few groups that have, like, game clubs and stuff like that that maybe you can find some employees through that. You know, but... I'm not saying to neglect people hiring them because they don't fit a certain demographic or whatever. But when you're looking, it's like, hey, if you are trying to be more welcoming and more diverse and that's that's your goal, having somebody that represents some of these other groups will also add to that for two reasons. One, you walk in and you see somebody else and goes like, oh, okay, there's people like me here or this is somebody that can relate to me in conversation or whatever. If I ask them about stuff or whatever, that's cool. But also when it comes to making business decisions, right? That's a person that will make you aware of certain things. Like you might go to decorate with something for Halloween. And if you have somebody that's with a Hispanic or Mexican background, they might be like, oh, that's too close to the Dio de los Muertos stuff. You probably don't want to be doing that because it's it's going to look bad, right? You know what I mean? Like, And you're like, ah, cool. Maybe I shouldn't put that up, right? But you wouldn't know otherwise. You would just go like, ah, this is a cool thing. It looks like Halloween. I'll put this up. And then some Mexican customers walk in and go like, bruh, really? You know what I mean? Like, so that type of stuff, I think you could avoid by having those people on your staff as well. That that goes a pretty long way. And again, it's one of those things you don't necessarily think about 
but it's stuff that'll come up over time that you kind of go like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. Or even being aware of certain holidays or traditions or whatever, maybe even certain events that you just may not be aware of because you're not in so certain social circles, right? You don't schedule against that stuff or whatever, which is, or they make you aware of certain events you didn't know about that you can even promote at, <laughs> right? So there's a, there's a lot of elements to it that I think are beneficial, but it does take time and effort, right? You have to kind of go out and search for certain employees sometimes to meet your needs. So that's a little bit tough, but Hey, there you go. There's some, there's some tips. Maybe take them to your local store. If you don't run a store, maybe go, Hey, have you guys ever considered this? Or, Hey, here's a podcast this week. You should listen to the last like 10, 15 minutes. They have some pretty good tips that might help y'all out. You know, like, and you'd be doing us a solid too. But yeah, Brian, what's everybody where they can find you on socials? I am Brian Sonic on uh, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. You can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. But yeah, check out myself. I got a lot of stuff going down. I'm working on some cool videos behind the scenes that hopefully we'll get to talk about in a couple weeks. So yeah, outside of that, as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself and your family. Go get your new boosters. Protect yourselves from the monkeypox, the flu, all that good stuff. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 